Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another addiction of, not not addiction, addition yeah. <laughs> of central expressions. Though we could be talking about some addiction here, right in on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Dr. Thomas Jordan. And uh, oh, the divorce rate, 50% or more uh, in America, and I'm sure that's zigzagged quite a bit in the last year. But he says, you know, learn to love guide to healing your disappointing love life and who hasn't gone through some form of disappointment he says people are blindly repeating love life disappointments often to the point of recognition about having ever having a healthy love relationship but there is a reason to be optimistic and that's what we want folks is optimism one of the things I say a great deal in life is that please do not close off your heart. I know it's been injured and sometimes it feels like it's been crushed, but it was just an experience. I want to help you recognize love more deeply later, but also to learn to love yourself. So we're going to be talking about his book, Learn to Love, today. Um, he has for three decades been a clinical psychologist and psychoanalysis and psychoanalyst, yeah. analyst, and helped mm -hmm. thousands of individuals and couples learned to love again and with his group practice with his wife veronica uh and experience oh, victoria, victoria oh sorry sorry oh, i'm having okay. one of those days my <laughs> dyslexic days here today uh, she's a psychotherapist and couple therapist and they've also co-founded a love life learning center so it's becoming conscious of what we've learned unconsciously as a necessary step into control over our love lives and i think one of the other things that we need to realize is that if we can plan for things to a certain point that's great but really do we have control who we have well, who we fall in love with we don't because the heart really makes that decision for us doesn't it and sometimes mm -hmm. is it a head heart is it a soul heart? And that's the question. Welcome to the show, love. Thank you for inviting me, Sarah. Thank you. Um, love. Oh, it's <laughs> corny. It's it's beautiful. It is everything. And everybody's always chasing it instead of being it. Mm. And this is where we kind of go wrong, isn't it? You know, I'm looking for someone to define me, to refine me, to complete me. Mm. And we've really got to find that love within ourselves for ourselves before we can find love of another, don't we? Yes, we do. You know, in the book, I make the point initially at the beginning that this is not a book about love. This is a book about love relationships. Mm -hmm. And I differentiate those two precisely for the same reason as you're speaking. Love is a mysterious emotion, uh, uh, an emotion of union. Uh, it's unpredictable. We can't make it happen. It's uncontrollable. That's the fun part of it. Yes. Uh, you can be in love uh, a number of times in life, not just once. Um, so that part of it, uh, it's just beyond our control. But love relationship, the type of relationship we set up when we fall in love, that's a little closer to home. If we form a relationship that's unhealthy, we can stifle love destroy love yeah. 
we form a relationship that's healthy, love can thrive and endure. So that's what I'm interested in, helping people form a relationship that preserves the love that they've discovered. Yes, um, and there's so many layers to it, isn't it? You know, mm. we, we have the euphoric moment, you know, the chemistry, the, ah, I've lost my breath mm. type feeling. Uh, but then you've got to look at, do you like the person? Can you be companions? You know, can you work together? Because if we looked at it in some ways also as a business practice, you know, mm. both both partners, you know, have to pull weight in that business for that business mm -hmm. to, to thrive. But yes. somehow people just rest on the laurels of love without realizing there are some things you need to do to sustain that love. Yes, it's called, I call it working on your love life. Mm -hmm. And the idea of working on your love life for some people is unusual. They're not used to it. Yeah. They, they're not sure what you mean. We work on other aspects of our lives, yeah. you know, our physical life, our, our, uh, our emotional life, um, our financial lives, uh, but not our love lives. For some reason, we just expect, in fact, if you say to someone, um, what have you learned about love relationships in your life? I mean, they look at you like, this is a little bit of a weird question. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know how to handle love. I know how to handle it innately. Mm. It's uh, and I don't believe that. Yeah. I think that what's happened is we've learned things about love relationships unconsciously, and that's the important word. And we can replicate what we've learned over and over again, healthy or unhealthy. So, working on your love life, I think, is becoming aware of what you've learned, yes. and that's the beautiful part. That's the good news because once you become aware of what you've learned, you can make change. And that's what I wrote the book for, is to invite people into the idea that there's a practical way that they can work on their love lives and improve them as a consequence. Don't bring your dysfunctional self to a relationship and expect it to thrive. Mm, right. I call the part that's particularly noxious the psychological love life. Mm -hmm. If your psychological love life your baggage yes what you bring to a relationship um if it's unhealthy mm -hmm. you're going to replicate unhealthy consequences in your love life if your psychological love life is healthy chances are you'll move in a healthier direction so i really wanted people to know that i believe there's an aspect of our self mind that is geared toward the experiences we're going to have when we fall in love. In fact, it's a, it's a creative part of oneself. Mm. You know, I've sat with so many people over the years where once I've gotten to know them a little bit and understand what they're replicating in their love lives, for example, it's almost as if they have a template or a blueprint mm. and they're finding people that match that blueprint. Yes. And it's not like I went looking for an uh, unavailable man or a, a, <laughs> a, 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 an angry woman or a dependent partner. It's not like they've done that consciously. Mm -hmm. it, it's 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 a, a program that's mm -hmm. on, you know, use that common 21st century language. Mm -hmm. It's it's going it's it's replicating and we're not in control of it in that we haven't asked questions about it that allows us to dissect. What is in our psychological love life? What can I do about it? Right. Um, you know, that 
it is an inner reflection, isn't it? You know, uh -huh. we, we get somebody Absolutely. that's angry, we get somebody that's lost, we get somebody that's that. And, and you know, uh, for me, I was misfix it, you know, uh, uh -huh. take, take the broken and help heal them, you know, because that's my nature. You and I have something in common. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> right. No, no, no. <laughs> and consequently, uh -huh. it left me broken because they get healed oh, and they're fine and they uh -huh. don't need you right, anymore, right? right? So, right. And, and by the way, I've never met a person who actually fixed someone, by no, the way. No, no. You <laughs> Miseries can, I've encountered. Yes, yeah. You, you can enable it. people to fix themselves, you know, inspire uh -huh. it, but you can't fix them yourself. And, right. And it's going to cost you you. You know, I've, I've said on many a show that I spent my life bending into a pretzel trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be. And the funny mm. thing is they fell in love with me for who I was. Spirited mm. Sarah and all her wackiness right mm. and then the moment they had me it was like a butterfly in a net now they wanted to pin me down and control me uh, but they loved uh, me for the free spirit and when they take the free uh, spirit away i'm not that same person and it's like you're not the same person anymore no you uh -huh. kill the spirit that is the essence of me and absolutely we, we kind of look at relationships as ownership like we are custodians of our children and we don't uh -huh. belong to people we share right. ourselves with people. right absolutely absolutely i identify one of the relationship experiences that can be very troubling is the desire to control mm -hmm. one's love relationship yeah. unfortunately when there's a measure of insecurity in oneself it's very easy to mm -hmm. fall into that pattern yeah. and of course on the extreme of that are abuses that can occur in a love relationship when people are unable to control the way they'd like to. Uh, control is something I agree with you 100%. It stifles the spirit, yes. it stifles love. Yeah. And it's very important. I mean, the opposite of control, I think is simply freedom. To bring yeah. freedom into a love relationship permits people to be who they are under the umbrella of the relationship. And that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Because the intimacy that's possible shoots up to the ceiling because right. now you're seeing the individual that you marry that you love that you're with in in his or her essence yes and that's yes. a beautiful thing you should preserve that that's what you fell in love with why are you right. trying to change exactly. it why are you trying exactly. to control it because you know what you should be doing is celebrating them uh -huh. allowing them supporting them because the more they grow in that essence the more it's going to exude onto you. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, I was in a relationship. There's a wonderful picture that I share a great deal, and it's um, it's man and woman face, but in the center, you know, profiles, but in the center is one face. And I say, when you're getting into a relationship, come together, but don't lose you. Uh huh. I like that. <laughs> because we do, you know, uh -huh. it's, we we just immerse ourselves into you know, everything they want from us. And somewhere along the line, it's like, who am I anymore? I don't yes, know yes. who I am. And and yeah. it's like, they look at you and they don't know who you are anymore. And you wonder what's gone wrong. The thing yes. is, you, you're attracted to each other because of that essence of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so we need to nurture that, value that, respect that, don't we? Because right. that's the only way it's going to be able to continue to grow like a beautiful orb of love. Right. I, unfortunately, some people uh go a step further instead of losing themselves they give themselves away yeah and that's a pattern that can prove to be quite misery creating oh, in yes. one's love life I can um, for that. <laughs> and that's something that 
after a few disappointments, it's very important to enter into that self-reflective position you mentioned earlier, where you sit back and say, okay, something's in me that's replicating over and over again. And, and I get triggered. I, I get so far into a relationship and suddenly I'm giving myself up. Yes. I'm sacrificing who I am. You know, back to the point you make about the essence as well. I, I find that in couple and family, a couple in marital therapy, oftentimes you reach a point where you want the couple to remember mm. what made the two of you fall in love. And I think it's a wonderful question to ask because sometimes couples get away from that completely. Oh, yeah. They forget. It goes into the unconscious. They don't know what you're talking about. There's a moment of pause like, boy, I haven't thought of that for a few thousand years. Yes. Like, so, <laughs> so like dwelling on it, and especially when your partner's in the room, it's like when you're looking at your partner like, okay, uh, what do you remember? This is what I remember. <laughs> and you can piece together when it works the right way a sense of feeling that was there. Yeah. And that's important. People can reconstruct their love life if they can go there without defensiveness. Be open right. to it. You know? That's the big word, defensiveness, isn't it? You know, is because, you know, you feel like you're under attack. You know, uh -huh. um, I, I was married to a browbeater. You know, never uh, physical, but browbeater. So it was uh -huh. always the, the chipping you down, chipping you down, right. chipping you down uh -huh. until you were mush. And then what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, right. Because right. total denial right. of doing it. But one of the things that I had to do on my own self-recovery, my own self-discovery, was to understand I was allowing him to do it to me. Yes, absolutely. I was giving him the boots to kick me. So I had uh -huh. to take some responsibility of how he treated me. Uh -huh. And so when the argument started coming, I would say the only person interested in that is your mirror. It started uh -huh. changing the dynamics of it. Um, uh -huh. we, no, we couldn't fix it because as far as he's concerned, I was the only wrong thing in the relationship. Uh, well, that's so, a problem. <laughs> yeah. And when you've got there, that denialist, you can't, you know, two of you have got to want to come together Absolutely. To, to resolve the situation. It can't uh -huh. be just one-sided. And that means you need to close the door, honor yourself and move on. Right. But it, we have to remember that abuse isn't always physical. It's in words and words said can't be unspoken. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also word, verbal abuse is very important. As you're indicating, there's also emotional abuse yes. where the feelings in the relationship are used as a tool of manipulation, as a tool of intimidation. And I think that's another very related to verbal because oftentimes words are the way in which these emotions are triggered. But there are other ways to do that as well, where people scare uh, their partners into control or into possessiveness or into various forms of exploitation and yeah. things like that. And that's also an important form of abuse to pay attention to. There's also financial abuse oh, God, yes. that occurs in adulthood <laughs> as well. You know? <laughs> I have plenty of money, but I want to spend your money. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so remember that one well. Uh, you know, <laughs> You know, the, the, the thing is, is um, I went into the relationship and went into the marriage with the, because he simply really, by his own, own honesty at the time was, I don't know how to love. And so for me, it was, I'm going to show him how to love. 
and teach them how to love. Uh-oh. Uh, I want to say, uh-oh. I know. It was a bit reflection. I'm getting scared a big, uh-oh. right now. <laughs> right. The so, hair is going up in the back of my yeah, head. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, like, that was his journey to take for him, not mm. for me to take his journey for him. Mm. And, you know, I did teach him to love when our firstborn was there, you know, as she would crawl towards him as he opened up the door. And he learned how to love to a point, but still to this day that real love love is you know i know he loves his kids but you know that there's still the argument to everything yes and you know it didn't matter what i did there was nothing i could do because it was for him to do for him not for me to do right and then you get blamed for not doing it which is the cherry on the cake you know (laughs) it's like that's not right um and also when people say i i need to learn how to love as a therapist, I think there's plenty of history behind that statement. Yeah. Yes. That usually indicates to me that there's some experiences that the individual has had where love was absent mm-hmm. or proved hurtful. Yes. So it's the kind of thing that, as you're indicating, it's really a journey inward. Yes, it to is. Answer that question. Yeah. But oftentimes people will try to take a shortcut. You know, yeah. I'm going to marry someone who's a caretaker and yes. going to show me how to do it, and then I'll get mad at her when she doesn't. Like, <laughs> or doesn't do it the way I want it. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can't win for, for losing. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> um. You know the. The, the thing is, is I think we know that life is an inside out job. You know, we, we, you know, who we are from the inside out is who we are in our essence. It's what we exude out to other people. And I have a series, you know, called the Forgotten Children series, which is going to be coming out as a book of collaborators. And the reason I went that way is because from doing so many interviews, and I'm sure with so many people that you've, uh, you've treated, there are so many people with a forgotten child inside of them uh-huh. that uh-huh. was neglected, that was abused, that was never given right. a voice. And, right. it, you know, I, I hear so often that child crying out for love. And until they're willing to go in and heal that inner child, they can never really embrace their true adulthood. You know, I uh, I have a slightly different take on that. Yeah. But that's what makes life interesting, yes, right? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> um, um, when I encounter a patient with that difficulty, I find a crying adult. Mm-hmm. Um who has hurts unresolved from childhood. Yes. Um, And the wish to go back there and do a do-over is part of the problem for that individual because the inability to find adults who will provide them that person with an opportunity to do that, for example. Safe passage, so to speak. Yeah, I I don't think it ever happens. Instead, more disappointment, more misery, more unhappiness. So I think that the problem, my belief and my practice is that the solution to this problem is grieving. Mm. People have to grieve their childhood. I've seen a lot of progress occur when people do that grieving honestly and fully in the presence of someone interested in having them accomplish that task. Uh, it, it occurs in the form of, um, I know I can't go back there. Right. I realize it. 
Um, I didn't get what I needed in life. I realized that. And I now have to experience the loss, let myself feel that without running away or the denials or the defenses so much as to, uh, to inspire myself with the thought that I can handle this grief. Right. I can handle it. I can heal my heart from childhood loss. That's a very important point. And I think once a person gets there, they begin to practice letting go, yeah. which is the more advanced stage of the grieving process. And so I end up with an adult who was focused on the past because it never provided what they needed to an adult who can now think about and feel the present more fully and the future because they've healed something within themselves that lets them go on. And by the way, love life is a big area often influenced by that unfinished business yes. from the past. Yeah. A big area yeah. of repeated misery for people with that particular problem. And that's yeah. a very painful problem. Constantly choosing, I mean, in, 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 in quintessentially, I kind of married my father without knowing it. I mean, I married an oriental gentleman in a totally different country, totally uh -huh. different faith and uh -huh. lifestyle, but I married my father. And, uh -huh. and it was only kind of as the years went by, I realized you know, the way he was treating me is the way my dad used to treat my mom. And, uh -huh. and I always thought I was marrying the opposite, right? Uh -huh. but, Wonderful realization, by mm, the way, when you realize that that's a very important moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, then it was what to do about it. And uh -huh. as you said, the, the, um, the letting go of the pattern or the healing of that child um, uh -huh. that felt neglected. You know, I was never uh -huh. abused or anything, but I was a very sickly child, so spent many weeks and months in bed alone, you know, get my meals and then that was it. Um, so th they loved me the way they were brought up and they were brought up in that era where children should be seen and not heard. Uh, uh -huh. Right. And the, 20th century. Oh yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, the whole thing about hugs, which I'm a huge hugger as my kids uh -huh. will attest to. <laughs> um, hugs. My mom got beaten, you know, whipped for, for wanting a hug from my mother at the age of three. Oh, oh so, boy. You know, for them to be hands-on and give me that physical love I needed, they weren't capable of it. So, mm. you know, for a while I carried resentment. And then it was forgiveness and understanding. How could they do what they did not know? There you go. Right. A very important point because then you're realizing it's not there. Yes. And the, the, the need to find it is influenced by that awareness. Mm -hmm. It's not there. So what do I do now? Mm -hmm. And my voice says, I think you have to grieve. Yeah. Grieving is the sadness that comes with realizing we didn't get what we needed. But here's the good news. As adults, we have plenty of resources within yes. ourselves we can heal our hearts from disappointment and loss. Um, I've seen people with just horrible childhoods mm -hmm. find themselves, yes. find an inherent individuality mm -hmm. of who they are and base their lives on their emotional lives on that. It's like, this is who I am. And I mm -hmm. can strengthen that and move away from coveting the past mm -hmm. and moving into the future and present. And I think that's a wonderful transformation for any human being to make. Absolutely. 
You know, my own mother was, I mentioned in my book, by the way, I used myself as a case. You're right. Because in, in you chapter know it five, well. <laughs> <laughs> the best case I could use it myself. <laughs> but it was also part of the reason I wrote the book is because I was brought up by a mother who never separated from her parents. Her parents lived upstairs. Mm. She with her four sons lived downstairs. My father worked for my grandfather. It was a very enmeshed system. Yeah. And my mother had a enduring unhappiness about the fact that she never liberated herself from right. her parents to establish her own life. And so guess which son sat at the dining room table listening to the woes that went along with that? You know, my mother even Maybe that's what me. led you to the career. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, I have a thought about my mother a year before she died. My mother was a, a woman of of some unhappiness and and stuck she was stuck in her life but she had uh, a little dry sense of humor and an awareness as well right so she said to me about a year before she passed she said you know i'm responsible for why you became a shrink yeah, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> and i i i you know, I I preserve I preserved her from the following <laughs> statement that showed up in my brain. Yeah, and how about the thousands of dollars I spent with an analyst? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> I'll leave that out. The full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I incorporated a view of women as controlling and dependent. Yeah. Needing a fixing, so to yes. speak. Yes. Yes. Coming back to your mm. observation about mm. yourself, so. I proceeded to find people who were dependent and controlling throughout my 20s and 30s until I reached the point where my own analyst said to me, uh, you seem to be using your mother as the template to your love life, right. <laughs> which, by the way, was a shock and a half. It yes. was like, what? Ah! No, no. Like, <laughs> how could that be? Like the, the simplest observation and it just wasn't in consciousness. Yeah. So, I began to notice he was accurate in his observation. I distanced myself a little bit in the love life, almost like I had to do a safari into, mm -hmm. you know, womanhood and mm -hmm. understanding women. I mean, are there other kinds of women besides dependent and controlling? <laughs> and I, my best friend was a, became, uh, I had a best friend during that period who was independent and not controlling. And it was almost like an internship learning about women. Yeah. And then at the end of that relationship, she moved away. I moved here. My wife showed up mm -hmm. and my wife is an independent, not controlling woman. She's also in the mental health field. We practice together, my wife, Victoria, and we've been married for 27 years. And I believe it was that shift yes. in what I was expecting that made it possible to have a marriage that endured without the same disappointment over and over again. Absolutely, totally, completely. You know, uh, most of the people I interview are people who have been willing to go through the process, whatever uh -huh. the process is, whether uh -huh. it's grieving, whether it's coming to understanding, whether it is, is you know, discovering who they really are, what their beautiful uh -huh. instrument is, how to uh -huh. share it. Um, and it's that strength, that courage, that ability, that right. redirection. 
into uh -huh. who and what they really are here to do is a, a wonderful liberating discovery yeah, that they absolutely. make right. and but if there's always that little something is either a tap on the shoulder or a nudge or a cosmic two by four that's going yeah. to say <laughs> right. you need to change direction right, right. and you know <laughs> two you by will, four for the thicker skulls among yeah, them. <laughs> i'm guilty i'm guilty um <laughs> Because I'm always like so kind of, well, well, you know, maybe tomorrow will be different, you know, and uh -huh. until it gets to a point where the door closes and I can't reopen it. Once that uh -huh. door is closed, that's it. But, but, you know, I look at what some of these women or men have gone through and it's like, I, I wouldn't blame them if they had checked out because of the horrificness that they've been through. But they believed there was something more. They just didn't know what it was, but they were right. willing to go on a journey to discover yes. what it was. Right. And yeah. we can't escape life, any form of life, and most certainly the life, life of love, self-love and loving another without going through a healing process of some kind. Absolutely, absolutely. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are resigned to the idea that they're not going to have love in their lives. Yeah. And I discovered the significant population. I, I sort of, you know, I add it is there's multiple disappointments, people that are trying to find love. And then unfortunately, uh, that can lead a lot of people to the point where they give up on love. Yeah. It's too hurtful, too hard to find, too troubling. And I discovered this population as a consequence of my my website, the lovelifelearningcenter.com, I, I wrote a, I have a series of articles there, you know, realistic articles about how to, how to find and sustain a healthy love relationship. So I wrote an article one evening, uh, how to live without love in your life. And boy, did I get commentary on that. And many people wrote and I read and responded and I learned a lot about yep. that subpopulation. And I believe that that's also a group that would benefit from understanding yeah. what they've brought to the party, so to speak, yes. what the baggage is that, that they're now resigned to, not that they feel they won't be able to change. Um, I think that uh, I, I've had experiences of people in their 50s and 60s, for example, who are faced with the idea, well, should I go back out to the dating world? It seems treacherous. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can handle a dis another disappointment. It'll be hurtful. I'll make the same choices I made before. This is dangerous. Yeah. I think it's possible for such a person to say, just like any other age, to say, okay, what am I bringing? And is it working for me? And if it isn't, let me tweak it. Let me change it. Let me become aware of what's in my psychological love life. And that's a wonderful thing to, to see as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you're describing me there. I mean, I call myself on the fence, you know, and <laughs> yes, I would love to have someone in my life, but I don't want full time and I don't want to be ironing any shirts. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I have got to a point in my life where I'm very happy with me and uh -huh. spending time with me. I love uh -huh. my work and I love my alone time. But it would be nice to have someone in my life to share it with. But as my uh -huh. son says, Mom, we're going to vet anybody that comes into your life because your last choices have been terrible. <laughs> that might be good. That might be good. <laughs> Interviews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing I do know is I'm nowhere near the same person as my last two relationships. Um, my husband and, and uh, I've been divorced 20 years and had one relationship after that and and that was a fix me one too you know helping somebody have their discovery um but i did discover things about myself during that time so you know i'm going to be grateful for that but it's 
it's kind of you get to a point because I'm 66 where it's like, do I have the energy for anybody else uh -huh. in my life? Do uh -huh. I want to go through all of that? Uh, I think probably more I'm looking for that loving companion. Yes. And wow. so it's a different dynamic of what I'm looking for now. Um, but it's then finding somebody who's also looking for that. And, you know, yes. we, we know the uh -huh. tendencies of the 50s and uh -huh. the 60s to kind of rediscover their youth and want to go after the younger women. Right. Oh, so, maybe. You know. OK. Yeah. yeah. But I I I put that on a continuum as well in that, you know, um, how people relate to that need to find someone uh, companion could start as a companion yes. and move into something else. Yes. If the compatibility is such. Yes. Um, uh, companion can be loving. Yes. I mean, deeply loving mm -hmm. as well. And the fact that two people are living a differentiated love life, you know, this is mine and this is important to me and this is yours and that's important to you. Maybe we live in different places, but we have an intimacy with each other that's very important to both of us. That it, it's all, Sometimes that happens because people lost a sense of themselves earlier yes. in a marriage or relationship. Yes. And now at a older time, 50s and 60s plus, they want to make sure that that individuality never gets away from them again. Yes. And that's important. Yes. That's a foundation. That's the self aspect you keep coming back to. That's very important. So I say, okay, great foundation. You learn to hang on to that no matter what. Let's build on it. Yeah. So you meet a compatible companion who says, I like who you are. I don't want to change anything. Right. And you say, I like who you are, ditto. Then what happens is you have two people enjoying an intimacy. They can get married. They can stay single. They can live next to each other. They can have their individuality, however they define it, and have the love that comes with sharing and knowing. This is a person that accepts me for who I am, and I don't have to sacrifice myself to be in that relationship. To me, that's love, period. Yes, End and that would be the only kind of relationship <laughs> I would be interested in. But it's, see, sometimes people, they stack up love next to each other. Like, oh, if you're married, you have children, yeah. that's better than what we're talking about now. I don't think so. I think love can be in these different forms. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm going to take, you know, I live with a wonderful 87 year old who's, who's got more energy than I have. I mean, she's stronger <laughs> than I have. I mean, I mean, she literally ran down the road after a dog running away the other day, which to everybody's <laughs> astonishment, you know. That's um, love. <laughs> yes. And she she was four days away from getting married when her fiance was killed by a drunk driver. Oh, and uh, that shattered her life. And then she went to go and stay with a friend who had left her husband, very abusive marriage. And they ended up living together for 50 years, uh, traveling and everything else. Never a sexual relationship, but an absolutely true love relationship. Uh -huh. They right. were the best of companions. Absolutely. And she never did marry because she never uh -huh. found somebody that she got on so well with than yes. she did with Joan. So when we're looking at love, we don't have to look at the, the opposite sexual attraction absolutely right? absolutely it's intimacy that yes. we're looking at yes that emotional intimacy is really the engine that drives our love life yeah i mean 
I get in trouble for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Being a little rebellious myself. Oh, I love it. Um, I love it. Um, uh, um, sex is wonderful, but it's a gymnastic activity two yes. people engage in. <laughs> Best done when you're in love. Okay. Um, but emotional intimacy is about getting to know your partner. Yeah. Uh, getting to know your partner, uh, dealing with what you like and don't like. Yeah. Right? Being able to solve problems with that person, yes. Um, respecting the depth of feeling that occurs and the emotional needs that are there—that's intimacy. That's the driver. Yeah. That's the driver to the love life. Unfortunately, I see a lot of people that have trouble with the intimacy, mm -hmm. but they're committed to each other. Mm -hmm. They're committed to a limited relationship yeah. because they define it. Yeah differently than intimacy and uh what's exciting for for a couple like that is to redefine their relationship based on intimacy i'll give you an example i have a, a patient uh that i know that um uh, is with someone a lot of trouble between the two of them many many issues but never left yeah and he didn't either Right. Looked like it multiple times, yes. but these two people have been together for a long time. I raised the question with her, what keeps you with this person? And she had to reflect like, you know, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, why haven't you left already? I yeah. mean, I, I know 10 women that would have left by now. You haven't left. And she said, you know, I need to answer that question mm -hmm. for myself. Because I think there's something between he and me that has not been defined, that has to be looked at and appreciated. And that's the reason why we're together. So it's become a topic right. of our sessions now. And it moved, see, I think that's a wonderful oh, yeah. area. Yes, it's, it's like opening a hidden up. gem, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. there. And once taken out and looked at, and then, in, I mean, step two would be inviting her partner to look at the same gem. Mm -hmm. It's like, look what I found. You yeah. got one of these? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes you wonder, is it just habit keeping you together? Or is there really some uh -huh. true base love there? And you've just lo lost the art of communication. Uh -huh. um, Absolutely. Yeah. I have mm -hmm. um, some other colleagues that I've interviewed uh, numerous times, uh, very spiritual people, but also in relationship therapies. And they have been together now 49 years. But at the 14 year mark, they realized they were drifting apart. And so what they did is they took time out to discover who each they were individually uh -huh, uh -huh. and then came back with that individual person and uh -huh. re-fell in love. And when I'm interviewing them on relationships, there they are kind of snuggled up together, uh -huh. you know? <laughs> which is wonderful to see. You know, I, uh -huh. I would love to have that kind of love where, you know, you're, you're still not afraid to hold hands and, and hug each other and love each other, which is not sex i think you know let's look at the word sex a lot of people think a relationship especially younger people um that sex good sex in a relationship must mean you're in love mm. right now we, we look at uh, um covid for a year of people being housebound and we've seen some relationships get deeper and thrive because they've had been forced to have 
time together and really get to know each other on a different level than they normally would. And we've got to see other couples. Go, phrase, who the heck are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And others have looked at each other. Who the heck are you? I yeah, need to right, get out right. of here. You know? So it's been a really good year of, of reflection. Right. You know, and, and it's, I think that's what we all need in, in our lives is that there are so many people that have angry sex because, yes. you know, they, they love the adrenaline of it. But then is that love? Right. You know, it's, is, can right. you be in love with each other without that intimacy? Absolutely. Without the intimate, emotional intimacy. Without sexual intimacy. Without, sexual without intimacy. the sexual intimacy. Yes. See, I, again, my belief is that sex is a, an activity that two people wish to practice that opens up the desires of the mm. flesh okay and so on but without the emotional yes it loses something yes and it's, it's possible to have empty sex <laughs> yes which is sex without an emotional attachment then it's a very limited experience um so, you know, if you're in love with someone and you're practicing some form of sex with that partner, that's the best and most ideal yeah. situation. Um, but I think a close second is to have an emotional intimacy yeah. with someone and it's non-sexual yes. because for whatever reason, you don't need it to be sexual yeah. or don't want it to be sexual. That's also yeah. love. Yeah. That's also emotional intimacy. And it's important to differentiate that. You know, I was thinking when you mentioned the pandemic, I was thinking there's a silver lining to the pandemic, perhaps, you know, yeah. maybe we'll all have deeper, intimate relationships as a consequence. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, know. <laughs> you know, that, I think it was a forcing of a relationship with self and a realization of what have I brought to the table and, and did I bring yeah. up the right ingredient? You uh -huh. know, so, right. you know, right. um, so I, you know, I think it's always really, really good for people to pause and reflect and, yes. and review themselves. Um, you know, I put this show under central expressions for a reason. And what we're asking people to be is using all of their senses in a relationship. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. people look at sensuality and immediately think sexuality. But if in order to have a good sexual life, you need to be tuned into the sensuals. Well, that's the same. We're talking about the emotion, you know, the, the uh -huh. individuality, the be in tunement to how each other feel to be nurturing, right. to be caring. And then when you do come together in sexual acts, it is of, of, of a harmony and a connection that is right. deeper than just a physical attraction. Absolutely. And but, communication is yeah. a big part of it yeah. as well. Yes. Whether you, you can communicate verbally, you can communicate physically, mm -hmm. but the purpose is you're, you're sending tenderness, you're sending yeah. love yes. to your partner in these various forms of communication. And that's a big thing, I believe. Yeah. In fact, I would say communication is the most important feature of a love relationship to preserve and keep healthy. Because once communication breaks down, it tends, tends to deteriorate yes. Yes. the love that's in a relationship. And uh, it's necessary to mend that. I'm sorry? Yeah. The disconnection yeah. starts happening. The disconnection. Mm -hmm. And that's deadly yes. to love, which is fundamentally an emotion of union. Mm -hmm. You're coming together with someone. But it's interesting, the, the uh, paradox between, and this is a paradox I've spent lots of time thinking about, it's union, but the individualities yes. have to be there as well. Absolutely. So it's like, 
It's two holes coming together. Right. right? Imagine and, that. Like, oh, and it's only going to be as strong as the strength of each of the of the hole there. So absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, I think one of the really important things is to understand in communication too that it's not always language. You know, uh -huh. it is taking right. of the hand. It is that look of each other, that arm around someone. You uh -huh. know, we can communicate in so many different ways other than uh -huh. just speaking to one another. And sometimes that hug, that hold, that look in the eyes, that can be volumes said. Right. But it's right. connection, isn't it? Uh -huh. It's connection uh -huh. that we want. Yes. I, I remember a, uh, a man I worked with, who a single man who had... Uh, resuscitated his love life, so to speak, and was dating again after some disappointments, right? So he's dating and he's reporting to me some of the experiences he has dating. So uh, he mentioned, oh, I, I uh, this is a man in the 40s. So he mentioned, I, I went to a restaurant a tavern and there were lots of people there. And I noticed the woman right away, but I didn't approach her. And I said, why not? You, you seem to have been attracted to her. Why not? And he looked at me and he said, well, she didn't invite me. Huh. And I, I, I said, wait, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And he said, you obviously haven't been in the day. Yes. It's that <laughs> eye contact. Uh, he said, he said, <laughs> when you're approaching a woman, yes. you with her eyes yes she says you can come over here yeah and then exactly. she moves on to something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, and if she doesn't look at you with that look you can come yeah. over here look <laughs> don't yeah. go over there exactly exactly and um that is that is very true you know you you can look at someone and, and immediately hmm mm. Right, it could be just you know, for a second or two. Just, it's just a second, a second but or two. It's a glance. It's there's a, glance, a moment you know? there, right? right and right, and right, that right. moment <laughs> is an indication of hmm, maybe there's something more to this, you know? Yes, right, um, right. You know, one of the the sad thing with the the younger generation, which I think is is beginning to change again, is that oh, sex is a sex. Don't get hung up. Don't date anybody. Don't even know their name. And I think they're hook missing ups, out. Hook no, hook hook ups. Ups. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, right. It is not only demeaning to you uh -huh. to you yourself but it's also you know degrading and demeaning to you and you're going to get nothing out of it mm. you're going to be left empty 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 because so what you had good sex for 30 seconds you know right. where was the love where was the connection where was the camaraderie and you yes. know because you put in your clothes yes. and going out the door and you don't even know the person's name what Absolutely. is that right. what really right. did it give you all it is is an abstinence of a commitment right right i would say it's tension release yeah on that fundamental yeah. level yeah. that's Go about the gym. it <laughs> <laughs> that's another approach right? <laughs> you know do do a different form of exercise because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's going to catch up with you somewhere along the line when you just feel like a piece of meat uh-huh and you don't right. feel like any people just look at you sexually because that's all the vibe uh -huh. you're setting off. Right. Self-esteem is in yes. there. You know, that's you the, can shut that's all the, the doors issue down. that can be damaged. Yes. You know? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, uh -huh. you know, and, and you see it a great deal with women who are coming or men coming out of a divorce, you know, immediately want to throw themselves into an affair or a sexual partner because they feel yeah. that's going to reignite them. And it's kind of okay if there's two mutual partners, but you've got to understand why are you hooking up this way? Yes. And I, 
I refer to that as rebound. Mm -hmm. uh, a rebound phenomena, usually in my experience, is an avoidance of painful emotion, yes. grief, yes. loss, yes. Uh, the feelings that occur as a consequence of getting out of a relationship and having to let go. Uh, sometimes people try to avoid that mm -hmm. and self-medicate their emotions by yes. jumping into another relationship. But I always caution people, when you do that, you have a bunch of big bags around the table. <laughs> <laughs> and those big bags belong to the previous relationship right. that you were in. And you're uh, carting it with you. <laughs> yes, yeah. carrying it, yeah. struggling to Weighing carry it down. all that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so rebound, it's, and this is a difficult message, but it's in line with a lot of what you've talked about today. You know, seeking some time alone yes. to rediscover oneself right. after a breakup mm -hmm. is a very important thing. It's not easy. It's yeah. like giving a person prescription for discomfort. It's like you're <laughs> going to be uncomfortable and you need to be uncomfortable. Yes. And people say, why? I've already gone through a lot of the trouble with this previous relationship. Can't I just run away and do yeah. something different? It's not, we're not built that way. No, we're not. We really have to go through a process of letting go and grieving loss and moving beyond the previous relationship. And once we get to this new place where we have a sense of ourselves, we feel like we've healed our hearts, now we yeah. have space for a new relationship. Right. Yeah. But that's a little bit of a process to yes. go through. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people try to cut it short. Right. Yeah. It's that rediscovery. Right. I mean, you right. are not the same person that married that person 20 exactly. years ago or whatever. Exactly. It is. You know, I remember being a bit shocked when I became single. I had gone to a kind of a concert and I'm looking at somebody and he's about 27 and I'm closer to 50 at this point. And I think, oh, he, you know, he looks nice. Being shocked, Sarah. You're 57, nearly 50-something, it's 27, you don't this want to be a cougar. This is you talking to you? <laughs> this is me talking to me. And, but, but realizing that the last time I kind of looked at anybody in, in uh -huh. a world, and, and I, I was, yeah, I was in that 27 bracket and I'm no uh -huh. longer there. And, and you see a lot of people, you know, mid-age go after the younger people. And I think because that's the last time they remember in yes. the seeking of love and so yes. we have to kind of catch up with ourselves of who are we now at this yes. time in our life in this chapter of our life and come from that space not yes. a past I memory yeah i would add to that that when you break up uh, a love relationship for whatever reason one of the wonderful possibilities and opportunities is to use that as a learning experience yeah. <clears throat> with that kind of dedication it cuts back on replicating mistakes over and over again in one's love life, which I think is the real danger. Uh, um, so if you use it as a learning experience, that time that you're alone is not only to rediscover yourself, but to find out what you were doing in the previous relationship yeah. that didn't work for you. You don't want to and repeat. that's a very important additional thing to do. <laughs> no repeats. <laughs> no repeats, right. Repeat is a dirty little word. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many times do you see people being married, you know, three times, four times, five times? Right. And, and it's right. like, well, all you're doing is repeating the same pattern and with uh -huh. a different face. And it's like, exactly. stop, take a breath, exactly. have exactly. a look at, you know, why you are repeating this. And, and yes. I think, don't you find that people are so scared to be alone with themselves when they're coming yes. out of a relationship? Yes, right. They're also afraid 
of, and this might sound a little strange at first, they're afraid of the unfamiliar. Yeah. Yes. You know, familiar is a, a mixed word as far as I'm concerned. It's got um, a positive usage. Like people usually think of the familiar as something positive. Yeah. You know, I've been kind of critical of that word yeah. because the root of the word is family. What we learn in the family of origin yeah. is familia. Yes. And that's the root of the replication that often takes place in our love lives. And it's so interesting when someone um, breaks up with uh, in a relationship that's toxic, uh, we talk about it and so on. The word, okay, familiar occurs. Okay, I, I've been replicating what's familiar to me and so on. And then, okay, you have to do something unfamiliar. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. Like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't know how to do anything unfamiliar. Right. It's like, yeah. But you, good. It's a good time to learn. Yes, but that's the thing. We've got to be exploratory. You left a uh, relationship because uh -huh. you didn't like the same old pattern. So right. now you've got to be willing to explore what else is out there in life. Who are you in this new arena? Uh -huh. And if you're uh -huh. not willing to get out of the familiar comfort zone that you hated yes. anyway, right. you're right. just going to go and repeat the same old pattern with someone else. And Absolutely. it's like, Absolutely. just remove the blockages, you know, say leave the bags behind or take the, uh -huh. the, the lead weight coat off. And yes, I think yes. the, the, the thing which I think is the scariest thing for people, but also is the greatest gift to yourself and to a partner is your vulnerability. Mm, mm, great word. You know, vulnerability and love are best of friends. Yes. Uh, they hang trust. around together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And trust is there too. Yes. Trust, vulnerability, yeah. and love are threesome. They, yeah. they're, and they're very delicate words mm -hmm. too they're difficult in themselves yeah. um vulnerability is required you know some people find the word vulnerability difficult to digest yes. it's like oh what are you telling me that's an old military word like my flank is unprotected or something you know <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like okay I, let oh, me you know, vulnerability some... is mixed with victimization yes yes, yes. that's the way it, it, it mm. rings to their mind let me offer an alternative i say uh, think of it as let's translate vulnerability into openness. Yes. yes. You know, to be in love, to have love flourish, you have to be open, receptive to love. Yes. Love can knock on the door and you don't open it. You're right. You know, you didn't uh, make the eye contact. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> right. Too afraid. Something bad's going to happen here. Yeah. But I think the openness is a willingness to allow oneself to take another risk because you can't have a hundred percent guarantee no you can do all the healing things yes. we're talking about but there's going to be a measure of risk but the good news is in all these things the self-discovery the the transformation the grieving the letting go you also get to the point where you realize i can heal myself yes if i get a hurt Yes. If if I choose wrongly, I have to once again rethink what I've been doing and so on. I can heal my heart. Yeah. And I find that the wonderful thing about being aware that we can heal our hearts is it provides the confidence necessary to try love again. Right. Because yes. if you don't think you can heal your heart, you're going to be a little bit reserved yeah. about falling in love again. Right. 
I'm a, a very spiritual being. I have always been. That's what I came here to do. And I believe, you know, the, the gut instinct, you know, I don't know why I know it, but I do. I believe that is kind of a, the divine consciousness that then speaks to the heart. It uh -huh. ignites the spirit into action and the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. But the, the instincts, the intuition, the spirit, the divine, whatever you want to call it, cannot speak through a, a closed heart. And that's where there is the disconnect to the mind and the mind just goes around in logics or in fear and all patterning because it's not inviting the intellect of the heart, soul and spirit into the equation. Yes. Uh -huh. and so, it, yes. you know, however our hearts have been broken and yes, you know, hug your heart, love your heart, you can protect your heart, mm -hmm. but open it up. And, you know, I've had people say to me, but how do I love again? And I say, start small. Look at the children running in the playground. Look at the dogs running, chasing a ball. Look at nature and the birds and the trees and everything else. Learn to love life. Uh -huh. Good right? advice. And if once Wonderful. you immerse yourself into that, and you start feeling that feeling. Mm -hmm. And you go, okay, this feeling is good. I want to open it up a bit more. And more and more uh -huh. and more, we're not asking you to jump straight into love. Uh -huh. right. We're asking you to learn to embrace love that is all around you, that is within you, that is already nurturing you, but you know, with a closed heart, you can't feel it. So yes, if you open yes. it up, that healing starts. Yes, and I would add to that, my contribution to that formula is that if a person has had several disappointments, they're at a point where they're wondering, can I go forward? Yeah. Being aware of what the psychological love life has been and can be within oneself yes uh that will inspire confidence as well yeah. uh, i think that a consciousness of one's love life experiences and what how personal uh learning about love relationships has shifted those experiences made them unhealthy when you've been working on your love life in other words that is inspiring that can be inspiring it can increase the probability of success yes. and people can have a better sense of what they're looking for right. and what they need. Yes. And that always makes it easier because now you have a stronger discriminating sense of yourself, mm -hmm. who, who you need and who you don't need. And I find right. that that's wonderful self-knowledge to have and it, it, it bears fruit. And it's okay to say no. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Right. Flattered, but no. <laughs> That's right. And it's okay to see beyond the presentation. Yes. Because sometimes people present something, but that's not who they are. Right. And if you're sensitive to what you're looking for, you get a peek. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh, I'm seeing something. I'll give you an example of that. It's a little bit of a dramatic one. Uh, a person, a woman said to me, um, I, I started dating uh, a man and I discovered that he's one of those controlling guys like uh, I have to stay away from. Right. Uh, I asked, what happened? He, uh, she says, well, we went out to a restaurant for dinner and he looked good, well-dressed. He was bringing me to a great restaurant, nice conversation. And I was like hoping for the best. I found myself quite attracted. I said, okay, what happened? What happened after that? And she said, well, I interrupted him in the middle of the conversation to announce I have to go to the ladies' room. He asked me to wait mm -hmm. until he finished his point. 
that he was making. And I guess my jaw dropped or my eyebrows went up to here. <laughs> oh, ding, 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 yes. ding. Bad sign. Uh, <laughs> Little red flag. Yeah, you don't do that. Pay Big attention flag. to them. Pay yeah. attention <laughs> to right. them. That's and the right. thing is, is like, oh, oh you know, it's a, don't make excuses, please. Don't make excuses. And, you know, if you really do like this person and they're stuck in an old pattern, you know, you can, if you're feeling bravado enough, to say to them, excuse me, but if I need to go to the ladies' room, I am going, whether right. you have finished or not, and wait and see right. what the reaction is there. Because uh -huh. he could be in an old pattern uh -huh. that he hasn't yet come out and not been aware of because nobody's told him before. Okay. All right. Very hopeful. Always <laughs> oh, giving Let's people see. the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Let's do the percentages. <laughs> I do believe we can all change, but I do believe that you've got the narcissistic person, rather mm. like um, an alcoholic or an addict or a control addict or a money addict or a sex addict uh -huh. or the narcissist, until they recognize what they are or what their issue is, they're not going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. right right so yeah. if we see that kind of person and and you you see the side of them which is what i always used to do is see really who they could be and what i saw inside of them but uh -huh. their exterior was living in that other veil oh boy that's a rough one i couldn't break through that veil that veil was always uh -huh. the, the strength right. because they weren't willing to do anything about that exactly so you can't help people who are unwilling to help themselves absolutely Absolutely. And I find that love life, the love life context is not a great place for them to put down the defenses and, yep. and deal with the vulnerability right. involved in making change. Yes. That'll happen in a therapist's office, a counseling yes. office yes. after they've realized, boy, I've had a string of disappointments. There might be something in my personality that's getting in the way of finding a healthy love life. And then therein lies the opportunity. But um over the dating table, yeah. over the yeah. restaurant table. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. That fellow, yeah. when it gets pointed out to him that yeah. she's going to the restroom regardless, yeah. I don't expect a good response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Walk out and leave it with the bill. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a true colors coach as well. So, you know, the four key personality traits. And one of the things I've understood in life is... Um, you know, we, we have a very strong personality trait, and that's who we are. That's kind of our genetic makeup. But we get attracted to either the opposite or, you know, you know how you have, I love the bad boys, you know. And mm -hmm. I have found that I've always been attracted to a certain particular personality trait. And it's because they're very forward thinking, they're, you know, they see the possibilities, they're go-getters, and I love that. But I realize how bad they are for me. <laughs> you know, and that's something is that I may be attracted to them, but I've also got to remember that overindulging in anything can be bad for you. <laughs> exactly. So Good it's, principle. <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, oh, no, I'm on a diet of that particular personality trait. Uh, you know? Right, right, you know, I, right. I'm great to have a chat and inspiration with you, but going any further, I know that's not going to be good for me. Uh -huh, so. Right. <laughs> it brings us up every time. So here we are back at the beach with, uh, with the palm trees. Oh, my God, the beach showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the beach had, uh, you know, 
Softness. <laughs> and I think that that's actually a point because it always seems to come up at an apropos moment. But, you know, sometimes we just get so befuddled and so caught up and why can't anybody love me and all of that type of thing. Go find a place that's your serenity. You know, it, it could be the beach, could be putting your feet in the water, you know, sitting on the sand with the breeze. You need to go and find your place that's your center because you can never work anything out in a turmoil. Absolutely. And I, my advice would be, as well as that, would be to um, um, find other people that have common interests. Yes. You know, I, I kind of like that. You know, you can meet people in a bar room. You can meet people in yeah. a nightclub. You can meet people in a mixer. But it's not the same as meeting yeah. people who enjoy classical music right. or enjoy some other activity where their their defenses are down a little bit. They're not interested in meeting there. anybody. I'm right. just here because I like Beethoven. Yes. Uh, yeah. You like <laughs> Beethoven, too? And let me get to know you. And mm. it's not uh, putting on the persona, no. the dating persona. It's really yes. following your interests. And I, I happen to think that's a great way to meet people yeah. uh, in that more realistic sense. You know, mm. I 100 percent agree with you there. Um, I'm not a pack person, um, mm. so I'm very much. I'm, you know, I love traveling on my own and even take myself out for dinner on my own. And, you know, people preserve. I don't need to be with other people. To, uh -huh. to entertain myself but, but I always love meeting other people I love the chance meetings I love uh -huh. you know the, the somebody at the next table and the conversation and just yeah. you know allowing those energies to mesh and uh -huh. uh, and I think that's the thing don't be afraid to date yourself mm. Mm. interesting phrase uh -huh. <laughs> be with yourself well my take on that is related I I'm a big believer in the relationship we have with ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a relationship that's oftentimes overlooked. Absolutely. Um, it's in the language. I was beside myself. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, like, what does that mean? Like, it's, I, it, in my book, I talk about once you become aware of what this psychological love life has in it and you have to change something, there's a challenging oneself aspect to the progression of the method. You know, once you're aware, you can challenge yourself, challenge what you've learned. When you see it once again reenacting or beginning to move you towards the familiar places as opposed to something better. I think that that is an aspect of the relationship we have with ourselves. In the process of making change, it's very common for a person to have what I like to think of as a therapeutic conflict between the part of them that's used to doing something the same old way yeah. and the other part of them that's become aware that that's not good enough anymore and right. it's not healthy. Not but like right it. at that moment, there's going to be a bit of a opposition going on within one's own mind, within one's own heart. And now it's important to strengthen the part of ourselves that know what's better for us. Yeah. And that's a process. But I think that I think of that as a, a relationship with oneself. It's almost like an internal supervisor mm -hmm. <laughs> that says, uh, you're going to come with me. Yes. You know, like uh, we're not going to do this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like bringing yourself along because you know that the familiar is once again trying to yes. reengage, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, I'm, I'm, <sighs> 
big person on it, take ownership of over your of your own life, take responsibility of your own choices, but you don't have to do it alone. Now we don't go to people like yourself to hand ourselves over and say fix me, and then right. you know re-inject right. the you know the hard drive. No, it doesn't work that way. We I can't do it. <laughs> no, exactly. That's my we response. have to be willing to participate. Right. in our own lives in our own healing but that doesn't mean we have to do it alone we take the ownership we're walking this path alone but along the way there are people like you and your wife that are uh -huh. there to help people through that particular phase or that particular transition yes and yes. that's when you you know the, the teacher shows up when the pupil is ready right, right? Absolutely. so all those that are I, listening yeah. to the show right now are ready to listen to you and what you and your wife right. are doing in your program mm -hmm. because right. that's what they need right now uh -huh. Right. And it's like, right. but you've got right. to show it. You've got to bring yourself to the party. Otherwise, you can't entertain them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I was hoping that the book would stimulate people to think about their love lives as something they could work on and then seek out different yeah. ways of getting the support necessary to do it. I'm assuming that a percentage of people could use the book as a guidebook. And I yeah. constructed it in that way. If you need support, you need a counselor or yeah. a therapist to be there to walk the journey with you. That's a, an acceptable and understandable thing to do. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and yet no stigma. No it, stigma. Oh, I'm seeing a psychiatrist. I'm seeing a shrink. I'm seeing this. Oh, you know, I, I can't do it on my own. No, they're there for a reason. That was their gift. Yeah. You know, I've, I've thought a lot about. Yeah, I thought a lot about why the love life was left for last. You know, we, mm -hmm. we work in so many other areas of yeah. our lives, our physical life, uh, fitness, uh, emotional lives, financial lives. And I, I, I came to the understanding that I think the reason it was left for last is because the family is involved mm -hmm. in the teaching yeah. of love life uh, considerations. Let yes. me put it that way. Yeah. And for many, many years, I think we were very careful and gentle about tampering with the family of origin. Right. You know, and I've heard people say to me, uh, well, I learned that in my family, like, you know, buzz off. Doctor. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not, they taught me how to love. You don't yeah. have to talk about this. Let's move right. on to something else. But and I think that we're at a point now in our development where we can look at the family of origin as a wonderful classroom yes. within which we learn a bunch of stuff. And at middle age, it's a wonderful time. And I, I think this tends to happen 30s, 40s, 50s mm -hmm. and beyond is we take a look at our life thus far and say, OK, this is what I learned in the family. I like this part. I'm going to keep it. This part doesn't yeah. work for me. It didn't work for them. It's not going to work yeah. for me. I need to revise this. That's called working on your love life. I, I, you know, I look at my own three children. They're 32 to 38. The 38-year-old um, is not even in a relationship right now, does not intend to really marry or have children. You know, she's a, a wanderer, um, a, a pure butterfly that everybody is drawn to because of her spirit. But, you know, for her, she saw what her dad and I went through, and she doesn't mm -hmm. want to repeat that. And But she's also a free, free spirit. So it would take somebody uh -huh. who really would nurture that free spirit. My uh -huh. son has just broken up from a relationship five years where he thought now it was going to be children and this or that. And 
and it didn't work. And uh, so, you know, I've said to him, it's time for him now just to take that time yes. for himself. So uh -huh. when that other person comes into his life, they're coming in, in with the right mate vibration. My daughter, who's just had a baby, has a wonderful man who celebrates who she is and is incredibly supportive of who she is. And what I find in their relationship is the laughter. They play a lot of board mm -hmm. games together. They know how to laugh together. Um, mm -hmm. They know also how to have very deep conversations and mm -hmm. big activists. They have a lot of commonalities, but they still appreciate each other for their individuality. And, uh -huh. and you know, she was the youngest, so she saw, no, I'm not going down that path. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was mm -hmm. her and a brother that told me to divorce. <laughs> so. uh, well, I mean, sometimes siblings influence each other. Yeah. You, you look at what this sibling is doing and you wonder, maybe I need to do something a little bit different yeah. in my own love life. Yeah. They can learn from each other. That's yes. optimistic. Um, yeah. uh, but I think the laughter is wonderful. I yes. mean, that's to me, that's an ability to reflect on oneself, right. to find the what's funny in our existence, to not take ourselves so meaningfully seriously crazily yeah. oh, oh, you know it, it is um you know i i love the word uh, flawsome you know we're all flawed mm. let's be awesome about mm. it uh, mm. that imperfection in a in a diamond makes it m more of value absolutely you know right? a friend of mine a friend of mine offered this advice he said to me that in his belief the uh the um, the 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 real uh trick of having a, a healthy love relationship is finding someone whose flaws you can live with <laughs> yes because look at them as quirks you know uh, yeah, I'm, right, quirks, I'm definitely right. quirky i am and, right. and it would be difficult for me to live with someone again because i've been on my own now for too long but at the same time that doesn't mean we still can't have a relationship his place my place and you know, and and the, yeah. that means you make it work in a different way. It doesn't mean you Absolutely. fall in love, get married, and now you're going to be together. Um, it, it, I can't imagine if that's going to happen. But if it does, it does because I found the right partner. But right, you know, exactly. you can have relationships on so many different uh -huh. levels. Absolutely. But first, Absolutely. have one with yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, have you got the book there that you can show people? Excellent. Learn to love. The sad thing is, really the sad thing is, is that so many people do have to learn to love. Yes, they have to learn to love and they have to unlearn yes. what they've learned yes. about love relationships in that process. Yeah, yeah. And that is something that we've all got to be willing to work on. You know, as I keep saying, there's no downloadable app, there's no quick fix. You know, it is something that we have to be willing to go through the process, as you said, grieve. Grieve. Grieve for the and, and, and look in the mirror to find yes. out what's in your psychological love yeah. life. What baggage are you carrying yeah. around that shapes and determines the love life experiences that you are going to have? Yeah. Uh, that's important to know. We should all know what we've learned about love relationships in the course of our life. And by the way, uh, the definition of love life in my understanding is any and all relationships involving the emotion of love from the beginning of life to the end mm -hmm. that's love life yeah some yeah. people just say the romantic love life is love no. love i think it's much bigger than that love of life 
and all that Love it encompasses, life, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think that also comes into very much is love what you're doing in life, whether it be a hobby, whether it be a career, because you have so many people who are in careers they don't like, that disgruntledness they bring home. Uh, and then that starts chipping away at the relationship. So I think it's really important that you're willing to explore a life where your beautiful gift and instrument is something that you, you know, you're playing in an orchestra that you really want to be at. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't, right. be, don't be afraid to, to walk away from everything you've known and start all over again, because mm-hmm. that is not a reinvention. It's a rediscovery Absolutely. of who you are. And, and Absolutely. it makes you a better person and it puts you on a different vibration to attract that right vibe person in your life. Absolutely. And, and I would add in that process of self-discovery and loving oneself, the fact that we're each and every one of us unique Yes. It's a wonderful part of that. Yes. Uniqueness is precious. It's one of a kind. Yeah. There's no other person ever was, will be exactly identical to you. So right. appreciating that preciousness is a wonderful foundation for that self-love we're talking about. Popeye said it. I am what I am. (laughs) 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 Uh, No apologies in it. And I think that's a big one. Uh, uh, Right. Stop (laughs) apologizing for who you are and embrace yourself in all your glory. Right. How do they get hold of your site and and what kind of programs do you offer people? Uh, LoveLifeLearningCenter.com. The book is at Amazon.com and other book distributors. Uh, At the present time, I'm working on a course, a downloadable course that will be available at my website, I believe, by the early fall of this year. Um, For people who want uh, a series of, uh, it's a PowerPoint course that I put together that people can go through steps like are outlined in the book. And that's another way to uh, have the the support or the guidance necessary to bring yourself through. Um, and, uh, my wife and I also offer love life consultations by phone and, uh, that information is on the website as well for both her and myself. Um, you know, I, I will admit that as much as I love who I am, where I am and what I'm doing today, I would, would love to have somebody in my life, but also I, I will admit that I'm still tentative because of past relationships um Mm -hmm. and you know because i'm so quirky it takes a special kind of person um but you are not in the minority i know exactly people in the world exactly so hopefully there's another quirk out there you know (laughs) it is you know i yeah i've been hurt um i hurt myself by allowing myself to be hurt uh the healing's been there but that that trust factor is still that question mark there so um and i think that's something that we still have to work through and and we work through when somebody else comes back into our life you know can don't look for the red flags they will present themselves be aware of them but try and see somebody for who they are and is there a mesh between you absolutely and even though you're in if i may if you're even though you're in that position, as you just identified very openly and transparently about yourself, uh, I sense that one of your great qualities is your willingness to look at the mirror and to reflect on yourself. Yeah. And that 
I think is like a it or big not. step forward. <laughs> like it or not, like yeah. it or not, right? Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> we don't always like it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But, but um, I think that's a big step forward because to have a sense of oneself and, and, and what we'd enjoy in a love relationship and what we need in a love relationship and the self-discovery, which you've already made very significant progress in because yes. you talk about it and with understanding and such, I, I think that I, I'm predicting that your quirky other might show up one of these days soon. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll be wacky together. <laughs> uh, another word is creative. Right, yes, yes. Creative, wacky, yeah. Um, they say there's always somebody for, for somebody, right? You know, where there's always, always somebody out there for us. And on whatever level it is going to be at will be what it's at. And you least expect it when it yes. shows up, too. Yes. Exactly. Uh -huh. It's at but, its best when you least expect I know, it. I know, the surprise. Ooh. Um, mm. But I think the thing that this is important is please go through the process. I mean, I, I haven't come to this realization, just, you know, woke up one day. I had to go through my process. I had to have a good hard look at myself, the, the patterns that I had to break, the forgiveness I had to give of myself. Uh, mm -hmm. the loving and right. the nurturing I had to give of myself. And it was not easy um, mm -hmm. because I was mostly doing it alone with a little bit of help along the way. But it, that willingness to go through it and just say, I don't like where I'm at. I'm not in love with life or with myself or, or feel connected to love of life. So what am I going to do about it? And that means put one foot in front of the other and start taking that journey. I can guarantee you everybody that has, that's gone through to the other side has said, I am so happy that I made this process. I Absolutely. love who I am today and what I stand yes. for and the people that are around me. And it was worth every bit of it. I, I, you know, I put it, having just had a grandchild, put it to a rebirthing of oneself. You know, uh -huh. the being pregnant isn't always fun. Uh, as my doctor said, I was allergic to pregnancy. My kids took mm. everything from me, right? Mm -hmm. Labor was horrible. My poor daughter went through 48 hours of it. Oh, boy. But that precious life you have at, at the other end of it, well, why can't we rebirth ourselves and have our own precious life in our hands at the other side of it? Because now life yes. is your choice. Yes, and there's a very intimate relationship between loving what, who you are and improvements in love life. I see it so often. Um, I used to run a therapy group years ago with uh, middle-aged people who wanted to explore the connection between self-esteem and a healthy love life. Yeah. And we worked on how people felt about themselves, uh, being able to forgive themselves, being able to uh, grieve losses, let things go feel better about who they are, identify who they are yeah. a bit more clearly. Yeah. And it was so interesting that over five years, a significant majority of the group moved on to love relationships yes. as a consequence of that work. Yes. And I, you know, if you ask me to explain how that happens, I'm not 100% sure. I think that when you love yourself, you send out a vibe. I agree. A hundred you know, million people percent. People pick that up. Yeah, you, it's, it's you, your... You, you've got yeah. something. Right, yeah. right. And, and you don't settle. You don't no. settle. You no. know, you don't settle for things no. that you shouldn't have or don't want. 
And so when you're in that state, and here's the mysterious part, people like you approach. Yes. And that's what I was hearing. I was hearing stories of that happening, that people were finding people because changes were made at the level of self-esteem and how people felt about themselves. Now, that's a little bit of an interesting, mysterious process. We have some radar going on. Well, I mean, that this, you know, uh, vibe is attracted to vibe. You know, Mm. it's, uh, and, uh, you know, when you've got somebody that's on the same frequency as you, on the same wavelength And we sense it, sensation, sense sense it. it. Right, that Uh central expression uh, of what we are, you know, that we're connected to, then then that is, you know, that heart door opener of whatever that relationship is going to be. But you've got to bring your open heart to it and that self-love to it, because that's, you know, people are going to love you in the light that you love yourself. And that's the way it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've worked with people, a lot of women who have been in toxic relationships, they were unable to get out of because the self-esteem was too small. It was too short. It it needed to be expanded. And part of the work was to lift up their self-esteem to the point where the standards they set of how they're being treated were changed as a consequence of that work. And so they were able to set limits and eventually, in many cases, leave and say, no, this is not for me. I treat myself better. I expect better for me. This is not the level that I want to be at. And so that's a wonderful piece of work. Yeah, and don't look for revenge. I mean, my ex and I have been apart 20 years, um, but we both walked our daughter down the aisle. Uh-huh. You know, we, that's cool. I mean, that's obviously, cool. with COVID, uh-huh. we're not doing it so much, but we have two or three events a year that we're all together. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's, I look at him and go, thank you for my three kids. But other than that, I wish you well. There is no connection or attachment because we're on totally different platforms. Uh-huh. And so it's like, yeah, I, I acknowledge what's been done and understand that that was an injury that I've, you know, that I had to heal. But it's, uh, it's okay. I can look at him now with his girlfriend who I've met up many a time with and uh, wish them well. And the thing is, Good for you. Good we, for you. We can't. We can't go through life wanting revenge or bitterness or this or that because no. they're going to treat you the way you allow them to treat you. Yes, and if I you that I allow them to treat me that way. Right. Yeah. And that bitterness keeps you mired. Yes. In the old pains <coughs> and hurts and unresolved. Yeah. It's not healthy. It isn't healthy. And you know, so that's good. That's civilized. To have a civilized acceptance of one's partner now no longer a partner is very healthy i believe I very think, healthy i think so and you know we don't have to love each other you know it's just uh-huh. um he's there he's followed his path i wish him well um, but as i said i'm very grateful not only for my own discovery because it forced me into doing that placing value upon myself but for my three children and so you look at the gifts that you do get out of something and don't mm. dwell on the pain that it gave you because that pain is just to remind you there's a rebirth coming uh-huh. Yes. So the site again is lovelifelearningcenter.com. You're uh-huh. on Facebook, Dr. Thomas Jordan. Uh-huh. Uh, Instagram, Love Life Learning Center. And I know you're on LinkedIn, but unfortunately the link didn't work. So um, you can give everybody your LinkedIn uh, connection to. Yeah. Uh, www.linkedin.com uh, forward slash in forward slash 
Dr. Thomas Jordan. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, you know, reach out to you and reach out to you and your wife, you know, because we are not meant to do this alone. We have to take ownership. And we have to understand as that we've got to take the journey. But there are people around us all along every step of that journey that are there to help us on whatever level we're at. So if you're having a conflict with inner love, with outer love, with love in general, you know, reach out to you because then you can just put them on the right path, whether it's just reading the book, whether it's signing up for something or having a conversation. We've got to take that ownership and go, okay, I can't do this on my own. Here is somebody that can help me and I've got to reach out. And that's taking responsibility. So I hope they do reach out to you because we need a lot more love in the world. Uh, right? Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yes. Thank you for inviting me to this wonderful conversation, Sarah. Thank you. Um, my pleasure. Thank you very much. And, you know, and it is, you know, love does make the world go round. And it is the frequency, it is the ingredient that is in absolutely every single particle of us. And uh, it is what really makes life worth living. So give love a chance. Until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.